Have you ever lay in your bed pouring out your heart to God about some trial or pain or grief or frustration and you felt like the ceiling above you was made of concrete and your prayers ricocheted back at you falling like a ton of bricks. Well, of course you have. Evidently, King David felt that way as well. As Carrie opened our service a few moments ago, Psalm 139, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. David reminded himself that this feeling, God can't see me, God can't hear me, is a false feeling. You and I must not base our lives on our feelings. We must base our life on the truth of God's Word. David knew what it felt like to be in the dark. Maybe God can't see me. Maybe God can't hear me. But David reminded himself of the truth. There is no dark to God. God is using David to remind you and me. God sees you right where you are. God hears you whenever you are. God may be silent, but He is not absent. In Christ, grace, you are safe. And in Christ, grace, you are loved. Jesus, likewise, brings us to this table. Jesus, likewise, used the bread and the cup to remind you and me that no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, when you trust the promises of God for you in Christ, He is with you. At the Lord's table, we have a very visual, we have a very palpable reminder of His promise. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Today, this day, you can rejoice. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. As we prepare to take communion in a few minutes, I want to concentrate right here in Luke 22, verse 19. Jesus took the bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is My body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. 
So our question today is a simple one. What does Jesus mean when he says, this is my body? And I want to begin today by answering the question, what does this is my body not mean? Now there are many Christians who claim a literal meaning for these words. In other words, Christ's actual body is or is in the bread and his actual blood is or is in the cup. Here at Grace, we reject this idea. We reject this idea for several reasons, among which, first of all, is Jesus' words here are obviously a metaphor. Now, a metaphor is a figure of speech that is meant to communicate some particular truth. In this case, Jesus compares the obvious quality of bread with his body. Bread, or food in general, sustains life. You need to eat food if you're going to keep your body going. Now, Jesus said this so that you and I would recognize that we need the sacrifice he was going to make the following day. You and I absolutely need the sacrifice he was going to make the following day if we were going to live now and if we are going to live in eternity. Jesus' body literally hung on the cross. And you and I must participate in that sacrifice if we are to be welcomed in heaven. And you and I must participate in this sacrifice if we are to live a godly, fulfilled, joyful life today. Make no mistake... When you receive communion, when you come faithfully, trustingly to the Lord's table, you participate in the cross by faith, by trusting in Christ's promise that every single man, woman, or child who says, yes, Lord, please be for me the sacrifice that makes me right with God, Anyone and everyone who humbles themselves like this participates in the cross. And the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross becomes effective for you. Then, when you take the elements, when you come and you eat the bread and drink the cup, you say, yes, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Make me like you. When you take the elements, you remind yourselves, and, by the way, those who are near you, that you receive this promise of forgiveness. That you receive this promise of life. When you take the elements, you believe we do not live by bread alone. This is my body which is given for you means that when you eat the bread and drink the cup in a worthy manner, you participate in a real, though mysterious way, in the sacrifice of the cross. Now we also reject the idea that the body of Christ is or is in the bread because just on the face of it, Jesus' disciples would 
not have understood him in a literal way. They were sitting at the table with him. They were looking at him and the bread he was holding at the same moment. The idea that Jesus literally lies here on this table makes a mockery of his sacrifice. And if it weren't for some unbiblical notions of the priesthood and the nature of the church as a whole, no one would believe it. But lastly, we reject the idea that the body of Christ is or is in the bread because it's a misunderstanding of omnipresence. Omnipresence is this idea that it's the glorious truth that God is everywhere and every when. In other words, some mistakenly believe that when we take the bread and the cup, Jesus' literal body is there because He is everywhere. But as Pastor Benji has noted many times, Jesus' body is not everywhere. Now God the Son is. But that is not the point being made by the Lord's Supper. So what is the point? I've said what it isn't. Let's get to what it is. To understand what Jesus is saying when he says, this is my body, we need to look at another glorious truth. What do we mean when we say God is transcendent? And what do we mean when we say God is imminent? God is transcendent. He is high. Means God is present to rule over all. When we say God is imminent, when we say God is near, we mean that God is present to bless. Now when Christians say that God is transcendent, we mean what we see in the Bible when we, the Bible says heaven is up there. For example, Jesus several times, especially in Matthew, looked up into heaven when he prayed. It shouldn't surprise us that the point is not that you have to go upward to get to heaven. I'm not even sure what that would mean. So if you're in Australia, do you go down? The point, when the Bible says God or heaven is up, is always that God is above. God is higher. God is more powerful than every earthly power. There is nothing to harm you, Christian, on earth if you are a child of God. Now, those things that hurt you are under His loving, wise, absolute, and direct control. Heaven is up means that His kingdom rule is over all creation and is complete. He is the King of kings. He is the President of presidents. By the way, Grace, the fact that Jesus is the President of presidents should remind us to get off our high horses when it comes to politics. Grace, I am sad to say that I have seen us on our high horses about politics in the last month. Christians have no business strutting about on Facebook or anywhere else for that matter about who won the election or who should have won the election. Jesus won the election because He is King of Kings. He is President of Presidents. 
And Christian, we have no business intentionally or unintentionally making our brothers and sisters in Christ feel unwelcomed because they could not in good conscience vote for this person or that person. That is not why we're here. That is not why we're here. Before you take communion today, ask yourself if you have given anyone near you the wrong impression. Have you made anyone think that who they voted for or against will cause you no longer to be their friend? Do you make fake book, your fake book page about politics or do you make it about Jesus? We will have all forgotten about this election much sooner than 100 years from now. But you have brothers and sisters in this church who are feeling alienated because they could not vote in good conscience for this person or that person. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled sermon. When we remember that God is transcendent, we remember that God is present to rule over all creation. We can remember with former Prime Minister Abraham Kuyper, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine! He is King of Kings. He is President. Of presidents. And where does Kuiper get this idea? He gets it from Paul, who says in Colossians 1.15, God's beloved Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. I need an amen for that. God is transcendent means that God's kingdom is in fact alive and well and He is present to rule. But that's not the point of communion. That's not the point of this is my body. God's imminence, the fact that God is present to bless the God, the, the, the fact, the glorious truth that God is among us. That's what this is all about. The Lord's Supper is the best reminder of this presence. The best reminder that there is no dark that hides His children from Him. There is no concrete that ricochets our prayers. The Lord's Supper is a reminder of His presence to bless like that which is given to us in Psalm 16.11. You make known to me the path of life. In Your presence there is fullness of joy. At Your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When the Bible speaks of God being present or it speaks of God withdrawing His presence, it is almost always His presence to bless. God longs to bless God has a hair trigger to bless. And He has a stiff safety lock in order to fire His wrath. 
We see that in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. Why did he say, for my name's sake? Because God does not willingly punish. We must steadily and we must finally turn our back from his blessing. But he cries out the whole time. He says, why will you die, O Israel? Turn, turn to me that I might give you life. Ezekiel 33.11 Psalm 16 This is the presence we find in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. This is the presence Jesus offers us when he says, this is my body. God is present in the Lord's Supper because He wants it to be clear to you that those who by faith, those who by trusting His promises receive communion, we are in His presence to bless. And I have prayed with most of you in this room. I have prayed for Him to heal you. And always, I begin my prayers for that healing. Lord, make Your presence known. Because as we know you better, we will therefore love you and trust you more. So that ceiling, that ricocheted your prayer, that darkness that King David felt, it's not there. Oh, we feel like it. Oh, it is painful for sure. But we must not live our lives based upon our feeling. Live your life instead based on the truth of God's Word. Live your life based on the truth declared in the bread and the cup. You and I need this reminder. We need this reminder often. Because we are fickle creatures. We are fickle creatures. So we need what the theologians have called the means of grace. The Lord's Supper is a means of grace. So let's unpack this idea. And again, we're going to begin unpacking this idea by saying what means of grace does not mean. There are Christians who claim that means of grace is something that you do or something that someone does for you that earns God's favor. We reject this idea. Clearly, that is not biblical. Instead, we know that grace is the undeserved power of God to accomplish His kingdom purposes in us and through us and for us and those who are near us. And by undeserved, I mean that it has no reference whatsoever to any merit or demerit. It has no reference to merit. Nothing you can do will earn God's Grace. There is nothing you can do or not do that will make you any more fit for God's presence or power to bless. And there is no demerit. There's nothing that you can do or not do that will make you less fit for God's presence or power to bless. It's all of grace. It's all of grace. Just like In a few moments when you receive the bread and the cup, you receive what you have not earned. When you look to the cross for the mercy and grace of Jesus, you also get what you have not, what you could not earn. 
Allow me to say that again in a slightly different way. God's grace is His joyful willingness to give you what you don't deserve. What you can't deserve. And communion is one of the ways that God gives you His presence to bless. One of the ways God gives grace is this means. Or we could say this method, this tool, so to speak, that God uses to pour grace into your lives. You receive grace. You experience grace. You get God's presence to bless you when you take communion by faith. So right now, at this very moment, decide, believe, trust, Make up your mind that this is what you will believe when you feel like your prayers ricochet, when you feel like it's darkness around you. Because you will feel like your prayers ricochet. You will feel like it's dark around you. But Jesus is in you. That in part is what Jesus means when He says, this is My body. I am giving you Myself. I am giving you My righteousness that I earned by living according to God's will for 33 years. I am giving you My sacrifice that I earned by absorbing the wrath of God on the cross against every sin of every person who would ever trust God's promises. I am giving you My presence to bless and not to punish. And all of this happens by grace. All of this happens through faith. Faith is the trusting of God's promises for you in Christ. Faith is the knowing and then living by the promises God makes to His people in His Word. Faith is using the ordinary means of grace that He has given to us. Tools or methods or means of grace like prayer, like the study of His Word, like loving one another at church, and like baptism and the Lord's Supper. And this, of course, brings us back to our central problem. What does this is my body mean? Well, there are two schools of thought. The first we've already mentioned. There are those who emphasize the mystery. They claim the literal body of Christ is or is in the bread and the literal blood of the Lord is or is in the cup. And as I said, we reject this idea. But there is a second school of thought and that is that communion is merely a memorial. Now, this interpretation is understandable. After all, again, Luke 22, verse 19. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, clearly, what we do each month when we celebrate at the Lord's Supper is a memorial. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. And it is not merely a memorial. There is mystery. That's what Paul calls it. Mystery. 
Jesus means something when he says, this is my body. What he means and how he means it is mystery. The mystery is that Jesus does in fact give himself to and for us. It's the cross. The cross. It all hangs on the cross. The body of Christ hung on the cross and He bore the weight of the wrath of God against the sins of all who would ever trust His promises in Christ. And His body hungered, it thirsted, it it grew tired, it rejoiced, and then it died. And that is why we cannot divorce from Jesus' words, this is my body, from the fact that he bore the wrath of God on the tree. But more important than that, when his body died on the tree, it was also raised from the grave. And now, because he is risen, we can come to this table. We cannot forget when we're eating the bread, when we're drinking the cup, that they are the body and blood of Jesus given for me. Yes, it's a mystery. But it's true. And it's real. And it's for everyone who would trust Him. Now, I love to preach my annual communion sermon. I love doing this because it reminds me that Thanksgiving is here. And Thanksgiving is a wonderful day because I need to be reminded to be thankful. Amen? I need to be reminded that what we do once a month is all about having the right attitude. And that is, among others, to be thankful. And the bread and the cup hung upon the tree... Therefore, I can give thanks no matter what happens. Whether you had a dozen at your table or you were being COVID conscious, rejoice that on that day, one day, one day very soon, you will never worry about COVID again. It'll be gone. Not only do I love preaching once a year about communion because of Thanksgiving, but also because it kicks off the Advent season. Today, we remember that the reason the cross was able to happen is because Mary laid her child in a manger on Christmas Day. Once again, give thanks, celebrate, have a feast, rejoice throughout the whole month. Rejoice. Remember Jesus. Remember the bread and the cup. Remember that you are remembered no matter how dark, no matter how silent. Rejoice. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. That brings us to the verse that I wanted to land on so that we can apply the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Paul says in Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. 
Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. When Paul says here in Colossians 1 that Christ is in us, what is he getting at? Well, he tells us it's a mystery. Of course, it means both he is with us, he is in our midst, meaning when two or more gather together, he is there in our midst. Of course, that is true. That is absolutely true. But it also points to the fact that Christ is in us. And I suspect that Paul has in mind the Eucharistic formula that Jesus gave. This is my body, which is given for you. And Paul, he didn't have all the goods on this one. He's like, it's a mystery. We eat Christ's body and He is in us. Nourishing us. Physically as bread for sure. Well, I guess if what we give out is you consider bread, but that's another topic. But He is in us. He is nourishing us spiritually as Jesus. We participate in life with Him because He is the source of life. More than mere bread. Because we cannot live by bread alone. The bread of communion. Jesus. His life indeed. And this message is the message for which Paul toils, struggling with all his energy to proclaim. Proclaim Jesus. Proclaim Jesus. He is the most important. It is the cross, the cross that frees us from ourselves and frees us to enjoy Jesus. Glory in Jesus. Proclaim that message in your small groups and on fake book. But that brings us back to where we started. Psalm 139. David says, You hem me in. Behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. That, my friends, is glory. This, my brothers and sisters, is God's presence and God's glory. It is God's wondrous love. It is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Oh, praise Jesus. And this is what you are reminded of each and every time you take the Lord's Supper. I love Psalm 139 because in it, of course, we learn that God is transcendent. He is present everywhere to rule, but far more importantly right now, far more importantly at this table, He is imminent. He is present to bless. So rejoice. Rejoice that He is near. Rejoice that Christ is in you. The hope of glory.